Morning, guys. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Greg. I'm married to Tracy, my beautiful wife over there. And I've got three amazing sons. And it's just such a privilege for me to uh, have an opportunity to uh, share what I feel God's laid on my heart for us. And uh, it's just so amazing to see how the prophetic, you know, we had a couple of weeks ago, we had the prophetic, uh, uh, somebody come up from Cape Town, sorry, I've just forgotten, Roland. And uh, he was sharing on the prophetic, you know, and, and when I got asked to preach about two weeks ago, I, um, I got this word that I felt that the Lord wanted us to speak, to speak to us about love. And you know how it goes, you know, love is just, it's quite often preached on or, and it's quite a sort of broad topic. Um, and I was sort of questioning, really, is this what I need to preach on? And it was just so amazing how the prophetic, uh, a week after that, a girl came up to me, a lady came up to me, and she said to me, she really feels like people don't really understand how much God really loves us. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And it was actually during the service. And I said, that's confirmation that we really, it's something that is of the Lord and that we, uh, and that we do need to talk about it. And, you know, if you look in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, it's probably the thing that's spoken about the most out of everything. If you look at how Paul writes to the Corinthians, encouraging them in love, um, and it's something we should really, I think, talk about more uh, because it's such an important facet of part of the church, part of unity, and part of building of the church. And so I'm excited this morning to share with you guys. Um, and just one thing on the prophetic that, that, that came through is that I think a lot of guys after that prophetic preach felt like they needed to bring everything to the elders. <laughs> and with that, we obviously got a, a lot of people you know, sending their prophetic words in, and, and that wasn't really the heart, and I just want to just make sure that the guys didn't miss it. It's really just directional words that we'd like to just, as elders, sit and weigh up and have discernment. So directional words are things like, we call, we call it hatch, match, and dispatch. So we, you know, if you've got a prophetic word over Ari and Cherie having another baby, then, uh, then it's... <laughs> Um, then it would be something, you know, maybe just bring to the elders first for us to weigh up. Um, dispatching people to different corners of the earth. I think it's, those are kind of big decisions, guys, you know, and it's things that we should weigh up as elders. You know, we, we oversee you guys and we look after you guys and we want to make sure uh, before those kind of words get delivered. So it's really those directional words that we'd like just for you to come and work through the elders with. But if you've got an encouraging word for Theo and uh, want to build him up uh, in love, uh, we've got no problem with you sharing that directly. So just to sort of clarify that. But okay. So the preach uh, topic for this morning is, are we loving well? And uh, I thought it builds really well on Francois' preach. Um, you know, he spoke about having a relationship with the Lord and being in his presence. And that speaks of sort of a vertical love for the Lord. And, uh, and the, I feel the Lord's speaking to me, uh, speaking to us about this morning is to really just the vertical side in terms of are we loving each other well? Horizontal. Horizontal sorry, thank you. I'm glad you guys are awake because <laughs> well, well done for getting here this morning. I think, I think with the rain and the rugby, I was wondering if we'd be preaching to anybody this morning. So at least you guys are awake. All right. Um, and then it's very good to just, just once again, in terms of love, is to really just measure what the Bible says about love. I think it's really important for us to ask ourselves the question, are we loving well? And what does the Bible say about love? And how should we be loving? Loving each other, um, husbands and wives, children, uh, leaders, and, and then, and then uh, you know, vice versa. So let's get into it. So what is love and what is our understanding of love? So the first scripture is 1 John 4 verses 7. I haven't put it up there because it's going to take up the whole screen. It basically just says, 
God is love. And uh, essentially, that's, he is the definition of love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, we see um, God gives us a description, or Paul gives, uh, God gives Paul the description of what love is. And we'll have a look at that a bit later. But essentially, we're all being created to love and to be loved. That's a very th- important thing for us to understand. We're all capable of loving. And uh, I think what's, you know, not I think, but I know what separated us from love um, from God's love is really the sin that came into the earth, and uh, that that broke the, the the relationship that we can freely come into love, um, you know, right from the beginning. And essentially, Jesus has made a way for us to return to that love um, that he's that he's got. And and that's the exciting news I've got for this morning is uh, that he's he's created a way for us to be reconciled back to Jesus. Thanks, Isabel. <laughs> All right. So to be able to understand love. We need to, uh, we need to, be, sorry, to be able to understand love, we need to be able to, uh, be able to receive it, and when we receive it, uh, we're able to give it. And so the example I've got to my dad's, I think fortunately not here, because I think I'd get a bit emotional, but I wanted to call him up, um, and uh, you know, he is just such a good example for me of an absolutely amazing father. You know, he, he didn't have a very good upbringing uh, he had a dad. He was an alcoholic. He was the mayor of Johannesburg, actually. But he had, it sounds great, but he actually had no time for him. And him and his brother grew up in step homes with stepmothers. And, you know, he really had no example of, of a father at the time. But he, he made a decision to bring up us as kids. And he laid down his life. And he really sacrificed so much for us. And, you know, one of the things he used to do, he would... Uh, sorry, I'm glad he's not here because I think we would both be crying by now. But... You know, one of the things he would do when he came home from work, he would come and he would wrestle with us as kids. And we would all climb on the bed and we'd have this big wrestling match. And, you know, just without thinking it, one of the things that I started doing with my kids is doing that exact thing. We, kids, would, I would come home from work and we would just, they would say, Dad, we want to, let's, let's have it on, you know. And we'd jump onto the bed and we'd have this tickling slash wrestling match. And it was just so amazing how my dad, being such a good example of, a, of an amazing dad and showing us love, how that enabled me to be able to extend that love to, to my children. And I don't do it with them now because they're getting too big and too strong. <laughs> We'd have to divide up in teams, you know. <laughs> I've got three boys. so. But just, just the father's love and how good an example um, my dad was for me enabled me to, uh, to love others and to love my children uh, really well. And that's essentially what Francois was talking about last week is that the presence of the father, the, the love that we receive from him enables us to love others, and to love people we don't even know. I mean, that love for the lost. The only way we are able to love people that we don't know is through Jesus. And the love that he's shown us, because we've all fallen short, and the love that he's shown us is what we are able to extend to, to others and, and to have that love for the lost and, and for each other, uh, for that matter. All right, so it's important to understand that we're all capable of being loved and all able to give love. We have to understand this. If we're not able to receive love, we probably need to look at why. And the answer there, as I mentioned earlier, is essentially sin is what separates us from love. And if you look at uh, sin, it's essentially the absence of love. If you look at things like adultery, uh, you look at theft, uh, you look at sex before marriage. Um, for you guys that are young and dating, sex before marriage, is, it's not love, it's lust. 
And sorry, I know it's a bit, a bit of a heavy, but it needs to be said from the front. Um, and that it's essentially like, you know, it's essentially like stealing because it's a gift that God gives to marriage and within marriage. And if we're outside of that, it's outside of God's love. And we'll have a look at uh, an example of that just, just now. Um, envy and jealousy. Corinthians 13 says, love does not envy. So envy and jealousy. Slander and gossip. So that's the Afrikaans word for that, Paul, while you're listening. It's skinner. <laughs> skinner is not love. It's not love, guys. I want to encourage you. If, and in the test for that, I always say, is like, are we praying for people more than we're talking about them? And that, for me, is a true indication of really expressing love for that person. Because we can talk about them. Us as elders, sometimes we need to discuss people. But are we carrying them with love in our hearts? And we'll look at this just now as, as to why it's so important that we have to love. Um, so sin separates or prevents and blocks love. And sometimes sin of the fathers and the forefathers. So in the example of um, Abraham, he was the father of our faith. But what it, you know, who of you know the story? So there was a prophecy told that Jesus would come from his lineage. And then old Sarah was getting a little bit old and, uh, and barren. And eventually he took matters into his own hands because he, he wasn't seeing it wasn't happening and he was running out of time and uh, he needed to produce an heir. And what he did is he went outside of love, outside of the marriage and the unity of love. And he, um, he actually slept with Hagar and from that Ishmael came and basically the whole Muslim religion was split. Uh, well, the, religion, the two worlds of, of, of the predominant religions in the world at the moment were split in that moment. And so, not to put a heavy on the young guys, but that's the kind of stuff that can happen, you know, when one makes that decision and you act out, outside of love. And so, sometimes we have issues with, with um, the sins of the forefathers as a result of the split. Sometimes your, it can be your dad. And an example I, I used of my father, he, he, dis, he decided to make a way for us as kids. And he laid down his life. And I just want to encourage you guys, if you haven't had the opportunity like I had, the example, you know, the example that my dad was to me and the way that he showed me love and the way that I could show my kids love, I want to encourage you is to, is to actually look at his example because he decided to cut that thing and not to allow, and uh, you know, the generational stuff to flow through in terms of, um, in terms of loving his kids. And, uh, and that's just as how, Jesus, uh, how God is with us. So when we, when we love, it's a decision. You guys know it's a decision. It's not a feeling. It's an act of our will. When you get married, Uncle Ames proposed to you on to Angelique. It was the decision you made to love. I mean, there was obviously clouds and Barry White playing in the background, and it was. A <laughs> but there was there was there was there was an infatuation. There was an attraction, but there was a decision made when they got married to love each other, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health. It's a decision, and that's the next thing I want to say. Love is love is a decision. If you look at the commandments. First commandment, second commandment. It's a decision to obey that commandment, isn't it? So it's a posture and it's a decision. It's not just a feeling. It's not just something that came, comes by itself. And the other thing I want to say is it's something that we have to work and contend for. You know, um, you know flowers don't buy themselves, Paul. <laughs> Meals don't make themselves. Um, what was the, there was another example I wanted to use, but I can't think of it right now. But, you know, these things... We, you know, you can choose and you can posture yourself, but then there needs to be action that comes with that. You know, we need to buy those flowers. We need to, we need to go and make those meals. Um, when there's a call for an outreach, 
Um, do, we have that, do we have that heart for the people out there? And I think the test is always, as Trevor alluded to, is your time, your talents, and your treasures, and where is your heart with that? So I want to encourage you guys, if there's a, a call for an outreach like Trev made, you know, is it, what is your reaction to that thing? Is it like, I want to go, and I want to, or is it one of, you know, uh, finances, and you come up with the time, the talents, and the treasures idea, um, and that hinders you from that? Um, so... So love doesn't happen by itself. We need to we need to work we need to really work on it, and it's a selfless act. All right. The good news is, as I said earlier, is Jesus has made a way for us, and His love, if received, enables us with the Holy Spirit to love. Um, and then just another side to just balance love is that in Hebrews, it talks about um, that scripture, Gina, uh, Hebrews 12, verses 5 to uh, I think it's just verse 6. It said, God disciplines those he loves. And, uh, and so that's just another thing that, that, uh, that love is. Love is discipline. Um, I use the example with my children. Why do we discipline our children? It's because we love them. And it needs to be rooted in love. Um, one of the things I always notice with my kids, if I, if I uh, every day get home from work and I moan at them without showing them love, uh, eventually they start hiding themselves. And I think humans, are, like grown-up people are no different from that. And so what I, what I realized um, in, in, in uh, parenting is that you need, as, and as fathers, we need to be showing our children more love and, more, and building more of a relationship before we discipline. So if it's discipline all the time, Without the love, then the, the kids eventually get hardened. And so discipline is important, guys. And I think we had a good example of a type of church discipline um, with, with uh, the recent thing with uh, Rob and Wendy regarding marriage. And uh, one of the responses I got in our com was somebody came, they came new, and they were, that was the first church service they came to. And you kind of think, ooh, you know, it's not a good one to come to. But her response was she's never seen this before in church, and it's real. And she said she appreciated that because it shows love. And it shows care and consideration. If you just sweep it under the mat, that's not love. That, so it's so important um, that we need to realize that the discipline is an aspect of love. Because God disciplines those that he loves. Um, all right. And then, so let's have a look at why is it important that we love well. And so one of the scriptures in preparing for the preach was uh, really that I felt that God really dropped in my heart was 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 to 3. And let's read that together. It says, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, if I'm a noisy, uh, sorry, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. So, Guys, we can get caught up with amazing church structure. We can get caught up with amazing prophetic giftings. We can, get, we can have faith that moves mountains. We can lay down our lives as martyrs for that matter. But if we don't have love, it's meaningless. And so that's why I felt so, it's so important for us to understand this, guys, is that you know, we go through life and we go through church life and we have comms and we have, and, and if we don't have love, the Bible says it's meaningless. And, when, and God was just, when I was reading this, I just, it was just reminded that of, of, of the, the human body and how God, uh, we'll read a scripture now in Ephesians that talks about that we're all parts and we've all got a part to play. 
in this body. And uh, the Lord just showed me that his love is like the blood that comes in and flows and gives the organs uh, food, gives it oxygen. It actually takes away impurities, as uh, Angelique pointed out, you know. And so the love within the community and the church is paramount. We can get caught up with all these amazing structures, but if we don't have that, we don't, we've, we're missing something major. And uh, another example that the Lord just dropped in my heart was just of a car. You know, I had this picture of this car, of this engine, and the love is like the oil. And, you know, you can have, if you don't have oil in an engine, you guys, that, the guys that are more mechanically minded, you know, you can ride for a little while, but eventually it starts scratching, eventually it will seize up. And I think the church can be like that as well. If we're trying to run an engine without oil, without love, um, then we end up with a seized engine. And I don't think we're there, guys. I just think it's, it's, it's just important to remember that it needs to underpin everything that we do. Um, all right, so Ephesians 4, verses 15 to 16 says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into, uh, in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, and which is equipped... Uh, and which is equipped when each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So I've always said that life, when you look at, you remove all the distractions of life, really, it's about relationships, isn't it? It's about those first two things that I, uh, I mentioned and what Francois preached on last week. It's about relationship with the Lord and it's relationship with each other. I'm always reminded of a, an elderly gentleman client that I had, and he, um, you know, he was a very wealthy guy, and in the beginning, he used to, he used to, you know, he was worried about his money and everything, and he was worried about the fee that I was charging, I'm an accountant, and he, you know, he, he would just want to get the thing over and done with as fast as possibly, and then, uh, possible, and then as he got a little bit older, he would, um, he would like invite me to his flat, well, I had to go because he actually got quite sick, so I would go and see him. And then by the end, towards when he, when he ended up passing away, he, he would like move the files aside and he wanted to talk about his grandkids and he wanted to talk about my kids. He called them the ginger ninjas. They've all got, uh, well, not all got, two of them have got red hair and they've got Jewish names. So he was, he was always very excited about them and they almost adopted them as grandkids and because uh, their kids were in America, grandkids were in America. But the point there is, is that this guy, it was so, it was so amazing to see, but so sad to see that he only saw the importance of relationship towards the end. And his family was scattered all over. They went to America, and the kids were a bit of a mess and stuff, but he still had this love for them and for the grandchildren, but he only started really uh, taking it on towards the end. And uh, I just want to encourage you guys with that, you know, is, is that life, despite all the distractions that we go through, is actually just about relationship and love for him and for each other. And uh, sometimes we allow life to happen, and we and we don't we don't we don't always hold hold that uh, close to our hearts. So one of the other things that's so important to have love in everything that we do in church life, especially, is you know if I want to ever speak into Aiden's life, but I don't come with love, I come with judgment, or I come with jealousy or envy, or uh, that sort of that sort of motivation. It's He's never going to really take that love. You'll know where it's coming from. I mean, you guys know when, you, when people have spoken to your life, if it comes from a position of love, it's one of those things you can say, wow, I can see. You know, he really loves me and he wants the best for me. And then you're able to actually 
It's, you're, able to, you're able to change, change your heart, you know, when somebody speaks to you in love. And so I just want to say it's so important that if we, we have the underpinning of love in our relationships with each other, then we're going to carry it and we're going to want the best for each other. Um, and when you do speak into somebody's life or you give them advice, it's going to come from a position of love. And they're going to be able to take that advice. Um, all right. Uh, one of the other scriptures, uh, Gino, if you can put it up. This is just in the Amplified Bible because I felt this says it best. Is uh, 1 Peter 4 verses 8. It says, Above all things, have intense and unfading love for one another. For love co covers a multitude of sins. And before I used to read that and I think, I used to sort of think, well, does that mean we sweep love under the mat? I didn't always quite understand that scripture. And then I read it in the Amplified Bible and it says, forgives and disregards the offenses of others. So it's not that we excuse sin, but it's one where we are able to love despite uh, what's, what's in that person's uh, life, you know, if they're not doing something right. Or maybe they don't even love you. I was chatting to Ari. You know, it's difficult not to love Ari, but then maybe, you know, he felt unloved a little bit, but he said, look, he had to posture himself. But he had to posture himself. Despite what he was feeling from other people, he said, I'm going, despite that, I'm going to love. And that's what this talks about. It says, above all things, have intense and unfailing love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins, forgives and disregards the offenses of others. So I think that's just so important, guys, is to is to hold that, hold that love for each other. Um, and that when we do this, it actually builds unity. Aiden, we were chatting about it this morning. You know, that's really what holds us together. It's what holds the body together is love, and it builds that unity. It enables us to, even if I see something in somebody's life that I don't like, or a leader, if I see something in a leader's life, and we're not perfect, guys. We are really just human beings. We make mistakes, and we say the wrong things. But if we believe the best... And if we, uh, if we apply 1 Peter 4 verses 8, then we are able to actually move forward from that thing. We don't get stuck there. You guys getting that? Do you, understand, do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we can see something in, you guys see something in Michael's life and you're like, oh, that thing, I can't move past it. I can't love him because there's something there that, and, and, you, and you stop actually loving the guy and you end up skinnering and talking about him as a leader. And, uh, and that's really not what God wants. He wants us to be built up in unity. And to love and to have deep regard and to say, even that thing in Michael's life, man, despite it being a bit of an issue for me, I'm going to love him despite that thing. Because that's what Jesus, that's the love that Jesus extended to us. I think that's so important to remember is that we can only love because we've been loved. We can only extend that love because of what Jesus has done for us. And then one of the other things, why it's important to love and that we love well, it's a key to the end times. If we read in Revelation 12 verses 13, what does it say? It says, the over, the over, he overcame the evil one. We overcame the evil one. We can overcome the evil one. Sorry, I must maybe get the scripture up. But it was by the blood of the lamb, word of our testimony. And then what does it say at the end there? They love not their own lives till death. And so it's so important, guys, if we're going to enter into the end times, which and it certainly looks that way. I know there's a lot of guys who have different difference in theology, but we do know we're moving towards the end times. That's one thing that's for sure. And it does seem like it's accelerating. But the key is going to be is our love for each other. And, if we're not, and, and the fact that we're not going to love our own lives means we're going to love other people more than we love ourselves. 
And so it's, it's important that we remember that, that love is going to be a key to the end times. It's also key to discipling and evangelism. So what do, you, what do I mean by that? In John 13 verse 35, it says, By this they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so if we're going to show the world, and, we, and you know, the, at the end of Matthew, it says that we're all called to be disciples. There's a grand com, the great commission that says we need to go out and, be, and make disciples and be disciples. But if we're going to be a light to the world, we need to show this love because that's how we're going to be known. That's how, God, uh, that's how people are going to see God in our lives, is the love that we have for one another. And that's what's going to draw people in. So it's a key to discipling and evangelism. And it's going to make the church work it's going to, if we build each other up in love. And then, just why is it important that we love and we love well? Uh, because it's, a, it's, a, it's obedience, essentially, to the first two commandments. Um, it's also, uh, yeah, it's actually a decision as well. So, how do we love? And just as I said, it's a decision, and 90% of it is actually wanting to love. Um, because this is just, you allow God to lead us, and He will show us how to love because of His love for us. And Jesus is the example, as I said earlier, His unconditional love for us. You know, I was chatting to somebody the other day, and uh, they were saying, oh, you know, I'm really getting irritated with this person, and, I'm, and they were getting a bit frustrated. And I said, you know, when Jesus was on the cross, what did He say? He said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And despite everything that the people were doing to him, he chose to forgive while sitting up on a cross, um, being persecuted and innocent for what he was doing. He could have had a totally different reaction. And I think Jesus is the best example for us of how to love and to love each other well. I mean, that's just the all-time, all-time amazing example. And um, I think if we understand and have a, have a revelation, as I said earlier, and accepting the Father's love, um, and it'll enable us to be able to love others. So just having a look at John 15, verses 8 to 13 in the ESV, if you can call it up. It, said, it says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. So the key there is, as the Father has loved me, so I can love you. So I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. For his friend. So I think the keys to really loving well, guys, is really spending time in His presence and understanding the Father's heart for, for the others around us and how much He really loves us. The revelation of how much He really loves us is so important. And that enables us then to love others well. Um, the other thing is, is really is, is allowing yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, the first fruit is love. And so quite often... The way it works is, the way the Holy Spirit works is that it's almost like a cup. And uh, we need to ask Him to fill us. But sometimes it's filled with the wrong stuff. And we need to empty ourselves of, of ourselves and things before He can actually really fill us to a point where we overflow. And that's really the key is to really rely on the helper that Jesus has sent um, in the Holy Spirit that, that, he, that He fills us with His love. And that enables us to overflow and, 
share his love with, with others. So love needs to govern our intentions and motivations. Uh, if we don't love, it is all meaningless. So one of the, one of the, uh, one of the slogans of Josh Jen is dying to live. And really that in itself is laying down your life for each other, laying down your life for, for us. And uh, it's just amazing. You know, you look at the way that the church is modeled. And at one stage we were chatting with Monet that the church got to about 400. And that was when COVID came and we ended up splitting into an AM and a PM. And then the groups were even smaller because we could only preach or we could only gather as 50. You guys remember that? And uh, we were preaching like three or four times a day. Well, I actually remember preaching three times in one day. And uh, the guys in the AM were preaching. And it's just amazing how... Uh, the Jostrian model of, of, of smaller groups, you know, you don't have this massive church where, where people get lost. And one of the things I find is that it, it's amazing to have a group of people like this where at least it, you pretty much know everybody's name and that you are somebody, you know, as, as opposed to a mega church where people just get lost. So there's this love and this relationship that gets built with each other because we're in, we're in the sort of size church that we are. And, uh, and really it is just about, um, as the Jostrian slogan says, dying to live. If we lay down our lives, we will find them. All right, so the question just to ask is, where is our heart, our times, our talents, and our treasures? I quite often find when I go out on an outreach, sometimes, as, you know, not sometimes, actually, every time I've gone on an outreach, um, God has just, just blessed me, and it's never been my intention to be blessed. You know, I was just thinking the other day, we go down to 412, and it's often to get something out of that, but it's, it's I mean, it's part of being part of the 412 when we go down to the conferences in, in Cape Town. But when you go out on an outreach, I mean, the conference is amazing. But when you go out on an outreach, you're not going for anything else than other people. And there you give up your tithe. Oh, tithe, sorry. <laughs> Michael. He, he was <laughs> your time. You give up your time, your talents, and your treasures. It costs you to go. And I uh, just want to encourage you guys that if you if you... There's areas where you, where you battle uh, to give up any of those three things. And outreach is just an amazing opportunity to, to do that sort of thing. And the God has really always blessed me more than I ever imagined. You know, there were times where Trace and I would go up to Oxygen Life to go and help out with the kids there. Because they would have a gathering and then at, once, at one stage and they wanted their kids' workers to be involved in the service. So they could also benefit. And so Trace and I just put up our hands. We didn't know why. We were busy driving to um, PE. We hardly knew the Oxygen Life guys, but we just felt like this is something we want to go and do, you know. So with our own petrol, our own time, we got hosted, which was amazing, but we went. And as we were driving, I just, I just said to Tracy, we were hitting the Titsikama there. It's that beautiful section where the road opens up. There wasn't a single car, and there's this proteas flowering on either side. And I just said to her, what on earth are we doing? What are we doing here? This just seems so bizarre, but it just seems so right. And that God is just adding himself to this thing. And it was just amazing how we just developed all these relationships with a whole bunch of Oxygen Life people that we still hold dearly today. And I think that was about eight years ago, seven, eight years ago. And it's such a perfect example of how we just offered up our time, our talents, and our treasures for people that we didn't really even know that well, but we knew that uh, God wanted us to go. And I uh, just want to encourage you guys to just, to just take that step. It's a decision. It's a decision to love. It's a decision to go. And, um, and it's a posture that we want to, that we want to um, either change or have, you know, towards, towards others and towards each other. So I think we know all these things, guys, but do we apply it? That's the question I've got for us 
this morning. So just to understand, to understand love and just where it, where it fits in, we also need to understand the tactics of the devil. So our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities. And so the world's got a definition of love. Um, and, <laughs> and it looks nothing like God's love. We were uh, recently in the UK, and unbeknowing, we ended up at a, going to London on the day of the last weekend of the LGBTQ Pride Month. And you know, their whole thing is all about love and love each other and accept each other. And I tell you, when we got there, Tracy and I, it, it was nauseating because there's, n there's nothing of love in uh, what I saw there. And it wasn't that we went with majorly judging hearts or anything like that. It was just, we went and that this whole auspice of you know, love and accept. And the world's got this definition. You know, it's, a, it's also, you know, in, in loving self. You know, self-love has become a big thing. Even in the church to a certain extent. It's like love yourself. And that's totally, you know, sin and flesh points towards us. Love and God's love points towards Him and to others. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's one of the other things is, <laughs> it's a little accountant joke here, but love, the love of money doesn't count. Just throw it in there. <laughs> so the love of money doesn't count. And that's another thing the world loves. This definition of love, it loves money. And the Bible talks about the love of money being the root of all evilness. It's actually what ended up crucifying Jesus. Is, uh, is Judas actually, actually took, took a bribe to give information on Jesus um, and to the Romans. And that, that's how they found him. It, it was foretold, but uh, essentially that love of money. And so this is the world's definition of love. And uh, we need to realize that there's, it's out there, but that flesh and sin points to us and true love points to God and others. So the devil doesn't like love because it, it breaks up unity. And Satan is all about destroying, breaking down, and causing division and despair. But God's love is about building up. It's about reconciliation to the Father. It's about unity. It's about encouraging. And it also gives you identity. It gives you identity in Him. He's your Father. So, just in closing, if we could maybe um, have, the, have the band up. If we could maybe close our eyes. So, So just while we, while we bowed our heads and closed our eyes, as I've been speaking, and I just wanted to create an opportunity. If, you, if you've come in this morning and you've never really experienced God's love, there's an opportunity for you that God is calling you to. There's an opportunity that He's calling you into His love and into His purposes. He's got a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. And he wants you to come into his love. He's longing um, to, to, to share that love with you. But sin has kept us from, sin in our lives has kept us, it's, it's, it's separated us from his love. And, and the only way that we can come into his love, his perfect love, is through Jesus Christ.
Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. So Jesus is the answer. He's the, he's the, he's the person that's there to re reconcile us to the Father. And so if you come in this morning, I really feel I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never received God's love, if you've never experienced his love in your life, I'd like to give you that opportunity. So I wonder if we could all just pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came to make a way for me to be reconciled with the Father. And Lord, this morning, I acknowledge that sin has come in between us. And I'm sorry. And I'll ask for your forgiveness. And I just pray, you'll come into my life. Come and take control. Come and show me your love that I've longed for all of my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you are my Lord and Savior. So if that was you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd like you just, while everybody's eyes are closed, if you could just raise your hand. We'd just like to pray with you. See that hand at the back? Thank you, Jesus. I'll see that hand at the back. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you guys could just gather around them, just to pray with them. And while we're just staying in an attitude of prayer, I think if we could maybe, if you, if you could stand with me. Just as we've, um, as our eyes are closed, I want to encourage you to just search your own heart. Search your own heart. Am I loving well? Am I loving those around me well? My leaders, the people I lead, my wives, our, our wives, our friends, our children. Do I have a heart for the lost? And here's the test. Am I patient or do I get impatient? Am I kind or do I find myself at times getting nasty? Am I giving and open-handed or am I selfish and self-preserving? With outreaches, with meal rosters, with giving up of my time, my talent and my treasure, do I respond or do I withdraw? Am I humble or am I proud? Do I ask others how they're doing? Or do I just want to talk about my own life? Am I content in who I am? And then what I have? Or am I envious? You know, comparison is the thief of joy. Do I forgive and forget? Or do I have a tendency to carry unforgiveness in my heart? As Jesus said, we need to forgive them for they know not what they do. Unforgiveness can separate us. If we've got hardened hearts towards our fathers, towards those around us, towards our leaders, we, 
It's going to stop us from being able to receive God's love. Do I skin and judge? Or do I seek the truth and believe the best in my leaders, in my husband, in my wife, and in my friends? And do I spend more time praying for them than talking about them?